Welcome to the latest Energy Transition podcast. My name is Ronan Kavanagh, Deputy Editor of New Energy, and I'm here today to discuss our recently released Energy Cost Report with its author, Energy Intelligence Senior Reporter and Analyst Philippe Roos. The special report examines the competing cost of conventional and renewable forms of electricity generation in five global regions using Energy Intelligence proprietary levelized cost of energy model. So, Philippe, tell me what your headline finding was. Yes. Well, at, at the current uh, record low natural gas prices, CCGTs, or combined cycle gas turbines, have reclaimed their role as the cheapest technology for new power generation around, well, much of the globe, which they had lost a year ago. Last year, uh, solar photovoltaic, PV, and onshore wind were ahead for the first time as the cheapest uh, generating sources. So that's good news for gas then? Well, gas is cheap, but gas should not claim victory for many reasons. One, uh, despite low gas prices, demand is, well, decent, but it's not soaring, and profit don't look great along the gas valley chain. Also, CCGT's renewable competitors keep strengthening in cost competitiveness. Uh, CCGT costs are indeed closely followed by PV and onshore wind. And gas would only remain more competitive in the long run if gas prices stayed about as low as they are now, and also if carbon prices never increase. Moreover, solar and wind are not exposed to commodity price volatility. Uh, gas price volatility, namely, and to future climate regulation. Uh, this is why, even though gas turbines are a well-known, proven technology, investors and lenders now consider fossil fuel riskier than most renewables and apply higher costs of capital to gas-fired projects. Interesting. And what will this different risk perception mean for developers of projects? Well, it's quite important because energy projects, all every energy project is very much dependent on financing condition uh, because energy projects are capital intensive. And this is especially important for renewables because investment costs typically account for 70, 80% or more of their LCOE. That's basically because they don't have fuel to buy. So most of the cost is investment cost. And of course, fuel and other operating costs are another wild card. For gas, yes. And as I said, regardless of financing conditions, new CCGTs would only remain more competitive than solar and wind if gas prices stayed as low as they are now and if carbon prices didn't increase. So, for example, for onshore wind to regain precedence over CCGTs in Europe, it would take a change in gas prices to just $5.5 per million BTU uh, instead of the current 4.5 12-month average and $3 spot price. Or it would take CO2 at $45 per ton instead of the current 25 Or... At current gas and carbon prices, you would get the same result with a relatively modest 15% drop, 15.15 drop in wind investment costs. Now that's Europe. What about other regions? How similar or different is the picture there? Well, in most other regions, the closest competitor to CCGTs is, is not onshore wind, it's solar PV. Uh, in the US, 
for example, uh, PV in average sunlight conditions would display CCGT at $3.7 per MBTU for gas, or with gas at $2 per MBTU and CO2 at, uh, with, with, with gas at $2 per MBTU with CO2 at around $30 per ton. $30 may, may look high in the US, but if you take California, CO2 take CO2 currently trades at just below $20, and a 10% increase in the next few years wouldn't be a, a huge surprise. Now, PV plants only generate for a few hours in the middle of the day, so they're close, technically their closest gas fire competitors are open-cycle gas turbines, which are better for short hours of operations because they are cheaper to build and more flexible to run. And those are already displaced by PV in most places, including the US where gas is very cheap. Uh, in developing Asia, basically in China and India, PV is already the cheapest form of power generation ahead of coal and gas, uh, except of course for large hydro projects, but those need appropriate locations and take many years to develop. Yeah, well, but, but PV is cheap. It has limitations, not least when the sun goes down. I mean, it has still a natural partner to help balance supply and demand needs, or could battery technology start playing a role here? Yes, of course. Yeah, it, it's an issue. Short, short hours of operations and intermittency are an issue. But to overcome them, ex experts pre predict battery storage will soon allow a better supply-demand match uh, and will become much cheaper than they are today. We estimate that the current cost of storage for a four-hour battery system is around $145 per megawatt hour. This is too expensive at grid level, but if you take the retail level, for instance, in California, uh, take the average uh, PV cost in, U in the US, which is around $45 per megawatt hour, put... Uh, that would put the average cost of of stored solar electricity at around $190 per megawatt hour, and that's cheaper than the average Californian retail price, which is around $0.20 cents per kilowatt hour, which is $200 per megawatt hour. And of course, battery costs are still falling. Yes, they are. Uh, by 2030, the cost of battery storage could fall by over 50%. Uh, if you combine that with the expected fall of PV costs of about 30% over the same period, the cost of solar, solar electricity would come down to around $100 per megawatt hour, which is below uh, the current LCOE of nuclear power, for instance. Very interesting. And I mean, while the attractive operating economics are certainly encouraging, I mean, they're only part of the picture with projects, aren't they? But very much depending still on financing conditions. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, of course. Uh, this is especially important for renewables because investment, as I said, investment costs typically account for 70% of or more of their LCOE. Uh, if you take onshore wind in Europe, for example, uh, it costs an average uh, of $67 per megawatt hour in Europe. And out of this $67, only 25% or $17 are operating costs. And the remaining 75%, $50, are capital costs. And more surprisingly, probably, out of these $50 of capital costs, only 18 are to actually build the plant, buy the hardware and build the plant. And the remaining $30 are to remunerate the lenders and the owners, which means that if capital was free, 
wind power would only cost, instead of $67, uh, it would only cost $35, which is more or less what uh, European CCGTs currently pay just for fuel and non-fuel operating costs. Now, I mean, capital's not free, but I mean, in the present low interest rate environment, it can be pretty cheap, can't it? Indeed, it can be pretty cheap. In the report, uh, we've used a fairly conservative uh, weighted average cost of capital, the WAC, uh, of six of between six and seven percent post post tax. Uh, if we had used if we have if we had used instead a four percent WAC, which uh, which is not unrealistic, it's common in some markets such as uh, German renewables. We would have found uh, European PVs, LCOE, at around $65 instead of the $83 which you have in the report. And if you take the same 4% WAC with twice as much sunlight as in Europe, and if you take slightly discounted solar panels, that would bring LCOEs down to the level seen in recent bids in the Middle East at $25 or so, which is very, very low. At such low prices, PV is more competitive than oil and gas, even against fully depreciated plants. Very competitive. But what about offshore wind, which has also seen you know, some big breakthroughs in the last few years? Yeah, it's quite interesting. Uh, Ten years ago, banks were reluctant to finance offshore wind uh, without strong guarantees and big risk premiums. Now, debt financing is fairly easy to, to get for onshore projects, particularly for those with long-term power purchase agreements. Uh, and as a result, the average WAC of the top uh, European offshore wind operators has dropped from, from about 8% in the mid-2010s, so just a few years ago, to around 4% now, according to the, energy, to the International Energy Agency. Uh, with such a low WAC, uh, combined with an average investment cost, which has decreased quite a lot and is now at, a, at around $3,400 per kilowatt. If you also combine it with a f with the fairly long hours of operations, you can get, due to the quality of offshore winds, it comes down to an LCOE of $85 per megawatt hour, below $100 per megawatt hour, which was considered as a dream just a few years ago. I'm looking forward. I mean, are there more kind of savings that are going to come? Indeed, if you take capital and operating costs 20% lower than they are today, load factors, uh, meaning hours of operations, 20% higher than today, and those conditions in terms of costs and operating uh, hours uh, are what many experts uh, be believe will happen in just a few years. Offshore winds LCOE would drop to around $50, $55 per megawatt hour, which is in line actually with what uh, several projects recently awarded in the UK uh, are targeting for commissioning around 2020, 2025, just five years from now. Great. And, and well, I mean, renewable energy's low cost of capital, I mean, certainly good news for the climate. I mean, it's making clean energy more affordable. But it's not necessarily true for project developers, is it? Yes, uh, cheap capitals. Cheap capital also means modest returns because, due to competitive pressure, uh, cost of capital and and uh, internal rate of return tend to tend to equalize. So, the lower the WAC, the lower the internal the internal rate of return uh, at the end of the day. Uh, low returns, however, are not a problem for the renewable energy industry because they are fueling growth. So even if you have low returns, we, if you have a strong growth, 
you ca you can you can make a, a good business case. Uh, it's a trickier problem for oil companies aiming to diversify into renewables uh, because oil and renewables have very different risk return profiles and very different growth profiles as well. Interesting. And I mean, besides financing conditions, I mean, we're also looking at um, different um, site-specific conditions depending on technologies. What kind of impact can this have? Well, this can involve uh, additional connection costs when you use remote resources, but those typically amount to just a few dollars per megawatt hour, so it doesn't make a big difference in the, in the final LCOE. Uh, more importantly, site dependency results in widely different LCOE depending on the quality of the resource. There was a recent report, for example, in the US by the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory, which found that load factors amount over 500 utilities, uh, utility scale uh, solar PV projects that are op operating in the US now. Uh, load factors range from 12% to 35%, so between 12 and 35% of hours uh, of operations over a year. And it mostly depended on locations. And this translates into LCOE, uh, ranging from a, very, a rather low $35 to me per megawatt hour to over $100 per megawatt hour. And I mean, looking back to gas and coal-fired plants, their utilization factors can vary considerably, can't they, also on local market conditions? I mean, how does this impact costs? It does impact costs. Uh, in most parts of the world, for example, CCGT remains definitely uh, cheaper than PV under standard conditions where it's operated in, in base load or meaning almost 100% of the time or at least in mid-merit, so 50% or more of the time. Uh, whereas at the same time, PV is limited by the amount of available sunlight, as I, as I already said. Uh, if you assume, as in the data, for example, that a European CCGT is running at 60% load factor, its LCOE comes at around $60 per megawatt hour uh, versus $85 for a, PV, for a PV plant used 50% of its full capacity, which reflects good European solar conditions. Interesting. And just moving on to look at installation costs. I mean, there's also variance there, isn't there? Yes, uh, for most energy sources, capital costs are substantially higher in Japan than in Europe in the, and the US, uh, with one exception, which is nuclear. Uh, so the data suggests that it would be cheaper to develop a new nuclear plant in, uh, in Japan. Uh, that's a big if. Uh, by contrast, uh, average installation costs in China and India range between just 25% below Europe and the US for onshore wind and PV, where the basic hardware is the most commoditized across the globe, to a difference of over 60% below OECD countries for coal and nuclear, where cheap labor and manufacturing costs can fully differentiate uh, projects across regions. So, I mean, what's kind of driving this kind of ever cheaper cost for solar and PV? Well, Solar and wind involve hundreds of thousands of identical components, the blades of, uh, of wind uh, turbines, for example, or the solar panels. You need thousands of them for, uh, for, a, PV, uh, for a PV power plant. And that allows mass, mass manufacturing uh, methods to be used. Uh, by contrast, highly centralized technologies such as nuclear or carbon capture and storage, and to some extent, uh, uh, coal and gas involve big 
projects and I mean, for the, for the biggest one, nuclear and carbon capture and storage, they actually seem to be stuck in a vicious circle of high cost fueling, low, low demand, and, uh, and it's not taking off. Taking yeah. Fascinating. Thank you, Philippe, for sharing those findings with us. And for anyone interested in following this more closely, Energy Intelligence's proprietary levelized cost of energy data is published weekly. So that just leaves it to me to say thank you to our listeners for tuning in, and we hope you will join us again for our next podcast exploring key trends and issues in the energy transition. Thanks for listening to the Energy Intelligence Podcast. Please check back with us soon for our latest content, which you can find at energyintel.com.